Hi, this is Carol Miller from iHeartMedia's Q1043 in New York. On this podcast, we give you a taste of real local British radio with our friends Nigel Pierce and Alan Thompson. Here, Nigel is speaking with the legendary Dave Cousins. Since 1967, the leader, singer, and major songwriter of British folk progressive group The Stroms on UK Radio. Well, there we go. The sound of the small faces, and is it Sha La 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 Lee? Lee is that correct, right. Alan? Yes, that's that right. That was sixty-six, wasn't it? Was it sixty-seven? No, it was nineteen sixty-six. And when they were touring, and uh, apparently one group didn't want to play second fiddle to them, and somebody said, uh, "What well, was it? Whose fault was it? Were the small faces becoming big-headed?" That was in one of the music papers, and I thought that it was well, even to this day. How can small faces have big heads? But there you are. I don't right, know. Now then, uh, that has been uh, a fantastic sort of first thirty minutes. Now we got a surprise. The Straubs are a group uh, that's got more than just a name. They've got a pedigree. They've got 50 years and uh, of uh, solid work, beautiful uh, music, and uh, an affection that travels around the world. And we're very pleased this morning to have uh, Dave Cousins from the Straubs on the phone because they've got a gig in London on Monday, I believe. It's at 26, but the gentleman's going to tell me right in a minute. So before we go any further, good morning, Dave. Good morning to you. Did I get it it's right? It's nice to be here. Yes, you did. <laughs> well, there you go. We like to we're do our best. On Monday, we're playing a concert at the uh, Chelsea Football Club. It's a venue called Under the Bridge, and it's under the bridge at Stamford Bridge. And it's a, a venue that Roman Abramovich, who is the owner of Chelsea Football Club, built for himself so he could book jazz acts to come in so he could look, have a really comfortable uh, place to go to and the most wonderful sound system and the most fabulous lighting system as well. And uh, a couple of years ago, he decided to let it out to other bands to go and play it. And we played there last year, and it was one of the most wonderful shows we've ever played. Well, there is an introduction if there ever wasn't. Now, I've got my colleague with me, Alan Thompson, so you better put your head in here, Alan, say a few <laughs> words. Yeah, certainly. Dave, it's nice to uh, speak to you uh, again. Uh, we're going to play some more modern stuff in just a second, but can I just backtrack to the 1970s with Lay Down and Part of the Union? I found uh, Part of the Union an immensely funny record at the time, which was uh, sort of poking fun, but in a nice sort of way. How did that come about? Uh, the thing was, it was going to be a single by uh, Richard Hudson and John Ford, our drummer and bass player, respectively. John Ford essentially wrote it, although he did borrow uh, it from Pete, uh, Woody Guthrie. Uh, I'm a Union Maid was the inspiration of it. And they were going to put it out as a single on their own and call themselves the Brothers. And I realised that that would be a monster hit. So I thought it was better to have it on our album than to have them getting a, a big hit with it and going off and, uh, and maybe leaving the group, which would have been a disaster for us at that time because we were just building and very, very nicely. So we put it on the album, and I'd, at the time, it was just shortly after Sgt. Pepper had come out, and the Beatles had put George Harrison's song as the opening track on the second side of the album. Mm. And so I thought, well, we'll follow that and put part of the unit as the opening track of the second side. <laughs> and so there it was on the album. It became a monster hit. There were questions raised in the Houses of Parliament as to whether it should be banned. Yep. Uh, we had leader columns in the Sun and the Times on the same day saying that this record should definitely be banned. The Conservatives are calling for it to be banned. 
And with all that publicity, it went turtled up to the top of the charts. Right. It was only kept off the number one spot by Sweet with Blockbuster, which they released that week. <laughs> well, that's a great story. Now, I mean, if you don't mind, we are going to talk about uh, your gig and uh, what we're doing on Monday and why we're doing it. But would you mind sitting with us and listening to part of the union for us? Not at all. Well, I hope that didn't give you too many days of deja vu there, Dave, but we thought we had to play it because Alan and I have made a very pertinent comment to a record before you came on, and maybe you can extol a little bit because that record fits very nicely, is music seems not to be able to look and smile at itself today. Would you say that's true? Absolutely, 100% true. Everybody takes themselves too seriously. <coughs> and that record... The, the curious thing was that that record... Uh, Despite my best attempts to make sure that they they didn't Harden John didn't leave the group, it actually broke the group up because Harden John wanted to go away and do more pop songs like that, and I wanted to carry on doing my long epics. And in the end, we both went our separate ways, and we were both proven right because they had several hit singles with Hudson Ford, and we carried on having hit albums. So everybody everybody was right. The thing is, we're all the best of friends still, oh. and that's the lovely thing about it, is you, that the Straubs is a family, and yeah. the family gets together and has family reunions. Because you had a collaboration with, with John Tobel at one time, didn't you? Yes, I did. Uh, John uh, uh, did put some of our records out for a long time, yeah. but then we formed our own record company and absorbed his catalogue into ours. Oh, right. Because with regards to that uh, that last track again, I remember when I was in Canada, I was at Station CKOC, and the one of the uh, larger-than-life presenters there was a guy called Jason Roberts. I'd really like to know what happened to him, but I remember we were talking about it, and I said, well, the thing is, England, or Britain, if you like, is the only country that laughs at itself. And that uh, record, I think, sort of rather <laughs> sort of summed it up. I mean, we were still laughing at it now, you know, listening to it, just, uh, just now. Yeah, but uh, I was listening to the lyrics, and, it, and John wrote a very clever lyric on it. It's very well done. Yeah. And the thing was that in talking about Canada, there was one station, I think it was in Sudbury, uh, where Ontario, where the mm. whole station went on strike for 24 hours and played part of the union non-stop, literally, for 24 <laughs> hours. It wasn't Jason, was it? On the, bosses. <laughs> but the, the other thing curious about it is that it didn't mean a thing in America. They didn't put it out as a single. Yeah. And to this day, we, we've never played it in the United States. Uh, and, but we are going to play it because we've got our 50th anniversary concert coming up in Lakeside, New Jersey, in the end of April next year. Yeah. And John will be joining Blue and myself and recreating that single with the band. And it will be on, on in the last part of the show. Well, uh, there is a story to tell. And obviously it's also not very understood by people over here that even though America is very much the capitalist um, centre of the world or one of them they have a very strong union representative there in their blue collar workers don't they so therefore you know you would have thought that, that song would have been picked up but it's a curious thing I, I thought the same I thought it would be but it, it certainly wasn't and, you know very very few stations played it 
Well, now we come to the latest uh, saga, uh, episode in the saga of the Straubs. You've got a new album out. We've got a couple of tracks here, um, uh, of which courtesy of Dave. So, uh, first of all, I, I take it that you're looking forward not only to playing in uh, London on Monday, but, uh, you know, how's the new album gone down? Has it gone down well? Are you very? I know you're probably very pleased with it, but how's it done for you out there? It's been extraordinary in that it's brought us back into the public eye. It went into the prog rock charts for the first time in 40 years that we've been back in the charts, which which was a very uh, rewarding thing to do. The tragedy is that the guy who produced it, Chris Tangaridis, it was the last record he produced before he passed away. Oh, that is sad. And that, make, that makes me very sad mm. because he was such a larger-than-life character. And the wonderful thing was he is a... He was, rather, uh, a heavy metal producer from the new wave of British heavy metal. And so he was used to producing heavy metal, but he really got to grips with what we were doing. And the, the other thing that was strange about making the album is that I went to my son, my youngest son's wedding in July, and suddenly a hernia developed. And so we recorded the album in September, and I was having to hold in the hernia while I was singing the vocals, uh, which was extremely uncomfortable, very, very painful, and extremely difficult to do. So the album was made under very difficult circumstances, because Chris wasn't very well, I wasn't very well. Uh, but nonetheless, the album turned out to be one of the best albums we've made in years. Well, there you go. Thereby hangs a tail. So what I'm going to do is play uh, a little bit of one of the tracks here. Then Alan will come in on it. And then hopefully we can talk just for a few minutes more because we do know that you're busy, but you want to get a nice plug for the gig on, on Monday. So uh, just hold your horses and listen to one of the Straub's latest tracks from their latest album. Well, I don't know what to say about that, Alan. I know you've got something to say, but Dave, first of all, I think that is absolutely spellbounding. Well, it takes me right back to the holiday I had in Crete, uh, in Greece. I had rented a, a farmhouse in a small, uh, tiny, tiny village up in the mountains. And all of those words in that song actually happened. I went to a, a village fete in the, in the churchyard. There were kiddies lighting bonfires and then jumping through the flames the elderly ladies sat there in their in their refinery and it was wonderful and then i went into a shop opposite the taverna and bought uh, some wo woven bath mats and started talking to the lady who was the weaver she turned out to be irene so i went down to the cottage got my guitar and came back and sang irene good night to her mm. which uh, was it's all so Mm, it's quite emotional, actually. It really is lovely. So that does sum up a, a very happy part of my life. Well, it, it's interesting to hear that track uh, now, actually, uh, Dave, because I've heard it said the genesis has to be in reality. Do you find, like you've, you've just described in the song, which could have been poetry sort of thing, that you've actually described something that actually happened to you? Do you find that you actually get the inspiration and then think automatically, ah, yes, now I can write a song about that and we'll do this and we'll do that? How do you actually put that together from that inspiration? Uh, I, I, I observe things everywhere I go. All the songs that we do are autobiographical. That's the difference between our band and most other bands. And or they're either autobiographical or observational on what is happening in the world around us. Mm -hmm. And I get ideas for songs. Maybe it'll be a title of a song, or maybe I just sort of sat there and got 
pencil and paper out and got my guitar out and started to play a song. Mm. And when that song, when I talk about the swallows coming down, had a little swimming pool outside in the, in the yard. And in the, in the morning, the swallows came swooping down through the olive trees and dipped into the pool for a drink. And then in the evening, the bats did exactly the same thing, swirling through the olive trees, and they dipped down into the pool as well. It was really an extraordinary sight to see. Mm. And I'm very interested in ancient history, so I did go up to the ruins of an old castle and fortress up in the hills, and I did write about the deforestation of Crete because they used it all to build ships with, mm. and they got rid of the cypress trees. So there are very few cypress trees there now. So all of it is actually written from actuality. And as I say, every song that the Storbs really comes up with is autobiographical. Mm. So there is emotion in the songs. And I think a great reason, one of the reasons for our longevity is the fact that people identify with the songs. They don't necessarily understand entirely what has been written, but they can identify with the lyrics. And that is a very important part of Straub's. I think I, I think you've summed it up very well there. Now, um, I know that you're busy. You've got to scram off, which is unfortunate. But uh, this gig on... Well, I've got to go off down to uh, where I live now because we're playing <laughs> in my hometown, Well, there you go. rather curious. Well, there we go. So uh, it's all grist to the mill. Now, this gig on Monday there in, in London... First of all, where can people find out about it? Because obviously with this programme, we'll go out on the Sunday. So, you know, you will get an extra boost. So please tell us where they can log on. It is. Well, it's a a club called Under the Bridge at Stamford Bridge, which is the home of Chelsea Football Club. The show will start at 8 o'clock in the evening. Uh, The ticket price is at £22, but maybe if you book it through their website, it'll be... uh, There's a booking fee for it. And... uh, it, last time we played there, we had about 300 people in, which was wonderful. Mm. And it's a very, very comfortable club. Probably the most luxurious club there is in London. It's certainly the best live music venue if, if I've been to. Yes, I, we played in the Albert Hall, we played in the Royal Festival Hall and the Queen Elizabeth Hall. But for intimacy and quality of sound and quality of lights, you've never seen any or heard anything like it. So it's under the bridge at Chelsea Football Club, Stamford Brook, uh, Stamford Bridge rather. That's uh, on Monday night. It's the Straws' 50 years on tour, and it's 50 years since the release of our first album, Straws, back in 1969. So we're building up to next year. Well, that's great. Now Alan's got one more question, and I've got a question before you go. So Alan, fire yours away. Yes, certainly. Uh, obviously, you're very much looking forward to this uh, gig on Monday, Dave. When you actually do these uh, these shows, do you find that the audience sort of call out for the you know, the hits? I mean, it's nice actually to put the the new music together. But I do remember um, talking to. Do you remember Tommy Bruce, the gravel voice, uh, you know, rock and roll oh, yeah, singer? Yeah. No, he said very he did a lot of cabaret because he could sing the standards as well, and the audience used to yell out, "Oh, give us some rock and roll, Tom." I mean, what do you think if somebody calls it? Oh, go on, sing "Lay Down" or uh, you know, sing part of the Union. Are you you're quite happy no, to do the that. Audi- the audience don't because yeah, they <laughs> don't. Of, the audience. Uh, did, frankly, this is the very best band the Straws has ever had. Yes. The front line of it is myself, Dave Lambert, and Chaz Cronk, who were the front line of the band for the album Hero and Heroine, and that goes back to 1974. Mm. And there's very few bands around that have got the same front line from that date. Our drummer is Tony Fernandez, who joined us in 19. 19- 78 
and he's been Rick Wakeman's drummer for the last 35 years. And on keyboards, we've got, and lead guitar, by the way, we've also got Dave Bainbridge, who is one of the most phenomenal musicians mm, I've ever yeah, come across yeah. anywhere. He's extraordinary. And this really is the best band we've ever had. Now, we're very unusual in that we don't start the show with something familiar. We start with a brand new song from the new album that nobody's ever heard of. Mm. Uh, we don't do we don't do the obvious. <laughs> we 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 very it's very dodgy to start with something that the audience doesn't know, but it's worked so perfectly well. The whole thing is sort of linked with musical interludes, and I I speak very little compared with what I used to do. I just get on with it, and <laughs> I I just find it I'm thoroughly enjoyable myself. It is the best band we've ever had, the Strolls have ever had. And if you miss this one, you've missed the best. Well, that's a ringing endorsement. Now, Dave, before we go, I'd like to put a request in. I would hope that on Monday you'd play my next song I'm going to play because uh, I'm sure other people have said it. This happens to be my favourite Strolls one. It means so much to me personally. Is I only want my love to grow in you. Um, I, I love the song when, when I first heard it courtesy of Noel Evans who's now swinging in the jungle but uh, I heard it all those years ago I hope you play that does that song have any special resonance for you? It does uh, it was written down in a small cottage in Devon that I owned at the time and Chaz Conk and I were writing the songs for the album Deep Cuts and we wrote the whole album in 24 hours and we, I'm not saying we sat up for 24 hours and did it but when we worked out how much time we'd spent writing the songs it was 24 hours for the whole album which is again unbelievable and the words just poured out uh, in particular that song uh, I came up with the opening phrase and the opening chords Chaz came up with the middle section of it and it was written with myself and Chaz Cronk it was absolutely wonderful to do. But I was selling the cottage at the time. Most of the furniture had gone, so we were just sitting on the floor in almost darkness. It was an old thatched cottage uh, <laughs> in a terrace. I go past the cottage every now and then. It's still there, exactly the same as it was. And there's a curious story uh, that I, I owned the cottage and Rick Waitman uh, uh, then, because we always do what one another does, he bought a house down the road. His was five bedrooms. Mine was two bedrooms, two up and two down. His was five up and five down. But I had to have my thatching. I had to have my thatch repaired. And so uh, I went into the local pub and said, do you know any thatchers? And Dennis said, oh, yes, the boys will be in about five o'clock tonight. So I thought the boys would be 70-year-old men. I walked in, and there were two young guys in their 20s who were Thatchers. <laughs> and they turned out to be fans of the band. And they said, oh, yes, they will Thatch your, your bridge for you. So they did it. I had a celebratory party. Rick came along. He said, OK, will you come and re-thatch my house? So they got into his house. His house was enormous. And there was Jake and Trevor. So Trevor was the thatcher, and his brother Jake was the one who delivered the reed, etc., to the thatching reed. And one day he was delivering a load of reed, and Rick said to Jake, uh, what are you doing next week? And he said, delivering more reed, Rick. And he said, have you got a passport? And he said, I certainly have. So Rick said, right, you're going to be a roadie with me. So Jake went off uh, with Rick to be a roadie, and end ended up uh, becoming a drum tech with Rick, 
The next time I saw Jake was when he got married and Rick came along and was best man. And then uh, the time I saw him after that, I went to see ACDC at the Hammersmith Odeon in London. And who should be there? Jake suddenly walked into the pub and I said, what the heck are you doing here? He said, oh, he said, I'm tour manager now for ACDC. So I said, oh, good heavens above. And so he got us on the backstage, so we stood on the side of the stage watching the show. Next time I saw Jake's name was in the Evening Standard when the Rolling Stones were playing at uh, Twickenham Stadium. So I left a note at the gate. Jake phoned me up and I said, what are you doing now? He said, oh... I'm production manager for the Rolling Stones now. So he got us in to see the Stones, and that was wonderful. And then the next time I saw him, we were playing in Philadelphia. And Jake said, oh, I kept in touch with him. And he said, oh, why didn't he come along? He said, um, I'm production manager for you too now. So we got, we got in to see that show. Stood in the, in, in the in a little compound, standing next to Bruce Springsteen. And the next thing you know, uh, we went back and did a tour a couple of years later. This was about five years ago. And we were playing in Chicago. And I went back out after we'd finished our show. And who was standing by the, the merchandise desk but Jake. And I said, what the heck are you doing here? He said, oh, I'm production manager for Madonna now. I said, my God, you're, yeah. I said, my God, you're on the way down. And, and it turned out that the Madonna tour that year was the biggest tour in the world. Whoa. So Jake, what? Jake the Thatcher, who I had got to do my thatching, is now the biggest production manager in the world. Well, there goes a, there yeah. goes a story, Dave. There yeah. goes a great story. Well, well look, is. Dave, it's been. I'm going to say goodbye. Leave the final words to that. It's been wonderful to talk to you. Best of luck and for the gig you. on Monday, and hopefully Thanks sometime you'll come back with us. Okay, I will. Thanks a lot, uh, Dave. Lovely to talk to you again, and uh, and, you. and the, all the very best for the gig on Monday. Thank you very much indeed. Okay. You know where it is? We well, you know where it Under is. Under the bridge at Stamford Bridge, bridge, Chelsea Football Ground. <laughs> gotcha. Thank you. Bye. Thanks a lot, Dave. Bye. Thanks Bye. a lot. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. That was Nigel Pierce along with Alan Thompson speaking with Dave Cousins of the Straps. Can't get more British than that. More with Nigel and Alan next time on UK Radio.